I guess it's been about three weeks to prepare for this, um, maybe a little longer, about a month or so. So, you know, I had this sermon in mind, you know, I, I being around preaching all this time, I said, man, if I ever got the opportunity, this is what I'm going to preach. So I had this sermon already ready, ready to go. So when the pastor asked me, yeah, I was afraid, but I said, I, I got this. Because I, I got the sermon ready. All I got to do is write it down, and I'm ready to go. But So I prepared, or I worked on it for weeks now, studying, looking up texts, reading texts. But last night, and I'm talking about 10.30 last night, <laughs> Lord said, scratch that thing, man. <laughs> He said, ball it up. This is what I want you to speak on. So that brings us to our, our text this morning. Please, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Titus 3. And we're going to read our message this morning. When you got it, say amen. The word says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, to be gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, Deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and in envy, hateful and, and hating one another. But, and that's my topic today, God has a big old but. And the word says... But when the kindness and the love of our God and our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercies, he saved us. Though he washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit for whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of the eternal life. This is the faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, and those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to all men. God has a big old butt. Let me ask you a question. Uh, have you ever thought of what God thinks of you? And this all came on me last night. I thought about it. Man, what, what does God really think of me, my life? When he turns on the TV in heaven and says, today I want to watch the story of Mike. What does he really think about me? 
Have you ever asked that? How about have you ever asked a loved one? Well, maybe you don't want to do that. Huh? <laughs> the last person on earth I want to ask is, is my wife. <laughs> Honey, what do you really think about this? <laughs> uh, you can get in trouble with that. But no, really, what if, what if, what if you ask Satan? Satan, what do you think about me? Who do you think you're dealing with here? What do you think he would say? How about the world? If you can ask the world, world, what do you, what do you think of me? What effect have I had on you? Huh? How about yourself? What if you can ask yourself? Self? Heart? What do you think of me? What would the response be? Huh? All of this, I mean, we probably wouldn't like the answers we would hear. Um, especially, you know, if you're talking to your closest one, your loved one, you, you, you probably wouldn't like the response that you get. But all that matters is what, what does God think of you? So when I was led to this text, I, I was just, man, I was, I was blown away. So I just want to point out some of the things that hit me. God, this is God. Now, first of all, this is, peop, this is Paul writing to Titus. Um, I believe he was in a town called Crete. And he was just informing Titus of, of the nature or the status of the church. And he, want, he said, man, these are the things I need you to remind them of. Remind them. Make sure that they know. Make sure that they're they are, it's on their minds that this is the condition of the church. So in, chapter, in, in verse number three, he points out, first of all, he says that we are foolish. And I, I'll be the first to say I'm, I'm a foolish man. You know, I, you know I, I appreciate the pastor. He, um, through his ministry, he brought me to a place where I had never come, came to before. You know, I don't know, many of you remember back where he used to talk about, I am the biggest sinner. You know, that thing hit me, man. That's what changed my life. Getting to that place, realizing that my sin is no better or no smaller than your sin. And that includes you being a murderer. And a lot of us like to categorize murder as like the ultimate sin. Like that's even worse than your jealousy. Or your envy. Huh? Right, right, right. So I, he brought me to a place where I just realized, I, I walk into places now, I am no better than anybody. Yeah, I don't care what they're dealing with. Drug addict, drunk, yeah, yeah. full of uh, heroin, whatever, whatever the case is. I'm no better. So I, I first um, just want to make that disclaimer that I, I am the biggest sinner. And um, so I appreciate that, Pastor. I but I just wanted to lay the, lay the groundwork here that this is Paul talking to Titus, reminding them of the conditions of the church. So he points out first, the first thing he says, that we were foolish. What was that? I looked it up and the definition said that foolish means ignorant of everything to do with God. I was there <laughs> not long ago. You know, with all that I did know, I just ignored the things that I knew were right. Partying, drinking, and whatever, whatever came my way, I was down for it. That's foolish. 
And it talks about it right here. These are the things that, I, and it sounds a little dim right now, like, man, how can, how can you even be in a church in this condition? But, but hold on, it's coming, it's coming. The first thing was foolish. The next thing is disobedient. How many, how many of us have been disobedient? Maybe, maybe I'm the only one. I'll raise my hand on that one. <laughs> but I looked it up. It says rebellious towards any authority instituted by God. Huh? So who's been the, oh, uh, disobedient? Then the next thing the verse says, uh, deceived. Look that up. It said continually led deeper and deeper into the sin by Satan. I know I've been deceived. The next thing it says is serving divers lust and pleasure. Huh? Definition says a slave to our fleshly, fleshy appetites and, pla- and pa- passions. The next thing it says, living in malice. Look that up. It said, given over to the lifestyle of evil. The next thing is envy. And that means never satisfied with what you have, but always grasping for more. Next thing it said, hateful. Now this is the... This is the big one here. For this is the natural fruit of all that I just mentioned. Hate is mixed into all of that. This kind of life makes us mean-spirited and hard to get along. Now this is Paul talking to the, at the condition of the church. This is the church. This ain't the world. He talked about the world, I believe, in in chapter 2. One way or another, but this is the condition of the church. So, church, we have some work to do here, if you can agree. But the sad part is that some of us, even right here, are dealing with these things as we speak. Huh? God knew the condition or the condition of his people. He saw us in our sins and and all the baggage that we had, we've been carrying around. But, God has a big old butt. And man, how many stories can we think about in the Bible that butt came into play? Huh? What about the three little Hebrew boys? Put them in the fire. They just knew they were just going to burn up. Huh? But (laughs) they looked a little closer. And they didn't see three. They saw four. And so something just didn't add up. Huh? How about the uh, prodigal son? All that he did. But the father said to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him and bring a ring and put it on his hand. Let's, let's have a feast. Um, we can just go on and on and on, but aren't we glad that God always has a but for us? Huh? I am. I, I tell you what, I, I can um, go on and on story after story. Um, 
We all know him. But God just has a special way of uh, showing up. The story can look dim, but then that word comes. But changes the whole game. Changes the course of action. I mean, this thing sounds, sounds dim. I mean, read, let's read it again. For we ourselves, this is us. We are foolish. We're disobedient. We're deceived. We're serving uh, various lusts and pleasures. That sounds crazy. But if you go down a little further in verse 4, it says, but. <laughs> Have mercy. Ah, mercy. I just want to, I can think back um, when I was in school. As I was reading this, I, it just came to me about where's the but in my life? So immediately it took me back to college and, um, you know, although I was at Oakwood, which is a religious institution, my mind was somewhere else. So I lived off campus and I had some pretty rough roommates and loved them to death. He was my best friend. In fact, two of my best friends, we lived together. And, but nonetheless, my, my buddy was, uh, he was into f- pharmaceuticals. He was a pharmaceutical salesman. If you you know what I mean. So our lifestyle was was a little lavish. I mean, we we lived in a mansion. Uh, We drove Mercedes Benzes and BMWs. Now, these are three boys that are supposed to be in school. But this is how we lived. And um, yeah, we had a good run. Things were great. We thought it was great. We partied. We, we had a good time. But that thing came to an end. And I remember it like it, yes, it was yesterday. Uh, my buddy, he came. He went to New York, um, I would imagine, to the pharmaceutical headquarters and, <laughs> and um, to pick up some more supplies. Yeah. And, and um, he was on his way back, and he, he called. He said, um, Mike, man, I'll be there in a minute. He said, uh, get everybody ready, man. We're going to have a party, man. We're going out. Every, get everybody. Call your girls. And Oh, man, Charlie, he's my buddy, he's on his way back. We were so excited. And He got back and came into the house. He had bags and clothes for us. He had brought us all kind of things. He said, man, yo, I'm going to um, meet up with my representative, and, and I'll be right back. And when I get back, we're going to do this thing. So he left, and when he left, my other roommate was sitting in the living room, and our parking lot was positioned so that you could see all the cars come and go. So when he pulled out, another car pulled out with him. And my, my other roommate called me and said, Mike, Mike. He said, man, when, when, when Charlie left, man, he said, another car pulled out after him. I said, uh, Oh, okay. And he said, nah, man, them two guys had been sitting in that car for hours. And as soon as he left, they, they pulled out after him. So I, I kind of brushed it off. I said, nah, that's nothing. Went in the back, started to get dressed. I believe I called um, my wife, <laughs> who was my girlfriend then. I said, Yolanda, you know, get ready. We're going out to eat. And um, so, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon me at that moment and said, Mike, 
something ain't right. So I went in the front and I began to talk to my roommate again. I said, now, what kind of car was it? And, you know, so I'm trying to rationalize this thing. But yet in the back of my mind, the spirit of the Lord is like, Mike, get out. Get out this house now. But again, I started to rationalize. I kept asking them questions, though. You sure it was, was it two guys? Or, you know, and I'm, I'm going back and forth and saying, man, the spirit just said, Mike, get out the house. So I, I kept fighting that thing, man. And finally, I, I, I mean, literally, I'm going back and forth with the spirit of the Lord. And finally, I said, well, at least, you know, I said, God, what I will do is at least go sit outside. So I went outside, and, I, and before I left out, I said, um, let me call my buddy Charles and just tell him where I'm at, where I'm sitting. So keep in mind, now, I just talked to him 20 minutes earlier. Called him. His phone was disconnected. I said, now, wait a minute. I just spoke to my man 20 minutes ago. Called him again. Phone has been disconnected. I said, mercy. I said, okay, well, let me page him. Now, back in them days, I don't know if y'all remember, pagers. <laughs> he had a pager. So I paged him. Pager's been turned off. So now the spirit is really coming on me now. And something just said, this ain't right. So I went back. I said, client, I said to my other roommate, I said, man, come on. I said, something is about to go down. I said, we need to get out of here. And he said to me, he said, oh, man, don't, don't worry about it, man. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I said, no, come on, man. It's time to go. No, no, we're going to be all right. And he almost talked me into it to the point where I almost said, you know what, you're right. It ain't nothing. Maybe I'm overreacting. But I didn't. The spirit just kept on me and said, keep it moving, Mike. Get out of the house. And I did. I walked, and, I, and I, when I went outside and I walked down maybe one, two doors down and sat on the porch, and the spirit just said, this ain't good enough. This ain't good enough. You got to go, boy. And at that moment, a friend of mine came driving by. And as he drove by, he saw me, blew his horn, and I said, oh, Kino, hold on, hold on. And I, I ran, jumped in his car, and he only lived a minute away. Uh, yeah, an apartment complex called King's Village or King's, something like that. And so we jumped in the car, and about a minute away, we got to his house. When I called back to my house to, to talk to my buddy who I had left behind, the person who answered the phone was the FBI. So we're talking a difference of 45 seconds to a minute that that spirit was telling me, get out the house. Now, both of their lives have turned out to be great. I'm not saying that that, that was a turning point, but it was just an opportunity that God showed me that he was with me. An opportunity that he put a butt in my life. That although that I was doing the things that we were doing, he said, but I got other plans for you, boy. So that thing, man, last night as I'm writing this thing, man, this, all of this just came to me. And um, about, I guess it's been about 10 years now, uh, we had sent my, my oldest daughter to Pine Forge. And when we sent her there, we knew that we couldn't afford it. Now, how many, I don't know how many people went to Pine Forge, but <laughs> that thing ain't cheap, man. <laughs> We're talking about 15 grand or more, you know. So if you, you live in paycheck to paycheck already, you're insane to think you're going to take on 15,000 more dollars. 
So when we decided that we was going to send her there, we had applied for a scholarship called Pathway to Success. And what they do is pay, not all of it, but a nice portion of the bill. Well, my wife and I, we, we applied for it, and um, we were denied. I mean, quite simply, the, 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 the program told us that there was no more money left. Money was gone. We, we waited too late to, uh, to get the uh, scholarship. So nonetheless, we sent her on to Pine Forge, and we struggled. I mean, we, we paid that bill, we paid that bill, but here we are, final weekend of graduation. It, I remember it like it was yesterday. It's um, Friday. Our deadline, I think, was like 12, 30, 1 o'clock when the business office closed. And they, I mean, clearly just told us, listen, uh, Mr. Saunders, if, if the balance is not paid, uh, you know, quite simply, your daughter will not be marching. Just as plain and simple. I said, okay, we'll have it. We'll get it there. I came home, it's, and I'm, keep in mind, we, gotta, we have till about 1 o'clock. I came home about... 12, 12-ish, and began to speak to my wife, and you know, my wife, being as sweet as she can be, <laughs> she said, honey, uh, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, and I was under so much pressure. That thing just, I mean, I was under so much pressure. I just blew up. And that's totally out of my characteristics, but I just blew up. I said, I don't know what we're going to do. And I stormed upstairs. And when I tell you, church, that I have never prayed like this before in my life, I fell on my knees and I began to pray such a desperate prayer. I said, God, I need you now. Right now. Not, not tomorrow, not in an hour. And, and, and really, church, honestly, when I think back now, I feel, I don't know if it's embarrassment or like the goal of me to pray to God this way. But my prayer was, God, I need you right now. I'm, I'm talking about as we speak. And I'm praying. And church, when I tell you my cell phone began to ring. God. Now, listen, this story, I've heard a lot of great stories in church, man. And I've questioned a few here and there. I'll just tell you that straight up. I've questioned a few. But church, as I'm praying, the phone began to ring. And the Spirit of the Lord said, uh, answer that phone. And I answered it. I, I didn't even say amen. I just stopped praying and answered it. And, and I said, hello? She said, yeah, hello. This is such and such from Pathway to Success. Yes. And my first thought is, okay, um, how did they get my cell phone number? But th that's another story. <laughs> but nonetheless, this is Pathway to Success. And uh, I just want to inform you that we found some money for you. And I, I, as God is my witness, I asked the lady, I said, is this a joke? She said, no, we found some money for you. Now, keep in mind, we, we applied, what, some nine months ago when school began. They denied us. 
<laughs> so that was case closed. Here it is nine months later, graduation weekend, 10, 15 minutes to go, they called me. Mr. Saunders, we found some money for you. I said, is this a joke? Now, now, now church, I, I, this is the moment where, I, and I've looked back in my life, I mean, forget the fact, you know, my dad, he was the evangelist for, for the uh, Northeastern Conference, and he's baptized, I would say, thousands of people worldwide, and I heard all of those sermons. Some of them stuck in my mind, like, like I could re- repeat them right now. But none of that changed me. Like this moment here. When I tell you I felt the Holy Spirit, it changed me. When I called on him, I had the gall to say, God, I need you right now. He showed up. Did I deserve that? No, because I'm foolish. Huh? I'm disobedient. Huh? I'm, 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 I'm lust. I'm, I'm in lust with pleasures. I, I live in malice and envy. I'm hateful. Yeah. I hate other, other people. I mean, I didn't deserve God to show up at that moment. But he did. But he did. So I just wanted to, I should have mentioned earlier that this, this sermon won't be long. <laughs> I don't know how pastor does it, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, being my first time, this thing ain't going to be long. But church, I just wanted to share that, that I didn't deserve any of God's mercy. But God showed up for me. So I just want to just invite those that um, just want that experience in their life. You want God to, as he's looking at your story and he's reading it, you just want him to put a butt there. It, the, the butt may change the course of your life. It may change the outcome of your life. I just want to invite those that um, want God to put a butt in their life to just stand with me as we pray this morning. Father God, Lord, I I thank you this morning for this opportunity to share just a brief few words with the church. But Father, I just pray that, I, that one word that I said this morning touched somebody's heart. Lord, I pray that they didn't hear me, but, but your Holy Spirit spoke to somebody this morning. And now they know that their story can be changed. Now they know that a butt can be put into their life. Lord, I just pray that somebody today will leave here different from which they came. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.